Hey, how are you, everybody? Welcome to another Pretender to Contender. Joe Matarese here, sitting uh, right next to virtually Chris Gucci. How are you, Chris? I'm here. I'm doing well. <clears throat> it was a, a weird day for me. A nice little adventure we'll get into. We're going to get into uh, his adventure. Uh, today on the podcast, we have restaurateur, bar owner, restaurant owner, Rebecca Cush, also actress. She played my wife in the uh, acclaimed web series, Fixing Joe. She's a great actress, and um, she decided to become a bar owner a few years ago, and she's got a lot to say about having a bar survive in the New York City uh, metro area and having it survive during the coronavirus, which is amazing that she was able to do that. So she'll be with us in a couple of minutes. Don't forget, patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. That's where you'll get uh, more, more. For as, as little as $3 a month, you'll get more. And also, I want to plug May 7th, I will be at Soul Joel's Comedy Club in Royersford, Pennsylvania. Come on out. I will be doing my one-man show, Remember When. I brought it back, and I've been writing and doing some shows in New York City and getting ready, and I'm excited. So May 7th, Royersford, Pennsylvania. If you want tickets to that, just go to JoeMatteris.com. And, uh, of course, I'm on Chop Sports Network with Chris every week doing this podcast. Uh, Chris, give the Chop Sports plugs. Yeah, we got... Everything is changing, so it's hard for me to, to plug all the shows because we have a lot of moving parts. Sunday night, we got the Chop Sports podcast. Monday, the Jimmy Palumbo show. Tuesday, we got this one, Pretender to Contender. Wednesday, Wednesday lineup is... is in flux right now but we definitely have for sure the mma chop heads mma podcast and then thursday is a new it's called squeaky bum time it's a soccer podcast which i don't know what the fuck squeaky bum time means but supposedly it's a soccer term i guess it's funny um there we go that's the chop sports network love it love what about the clubhouse thing that we're going to be doing on on thursday night Right, I or guess is that Wednesday. Well, I guess, night? Yeah, I guess well, we should announce that to all the podcasters. We experimented a little last night. Um, instead of a second podcast, we're gonna just be doing a podcast, but we won't be recording it. It'll just be live on the uh, the app. Uh, explain to them, I guess, what this new app is. That if, in case you're a clueless person who has like a regular job and doesn't know about this, about uh, Clubhouse. Yeah, so essentially it's a um it's a speaking platform where you you have to be yourself on it. You can't make an alias, so there's not going to be any way to make several accounts. Um and basically you open up a room, it's topic driven. So we could open up a room and for example, call it Let's Be Friends and then give a topic and then you open the room to the public, you invite people to the room and it's just an open speaking platform. So Joe and I would essentially be the moderators um and people would be able to raise their hand and and come up and speak to us and, and get involved in the conversation, whether it be about sports, um, social media, you name it. There's a, a, a litany of topics that we could talk about. And I guess maybe as the people chime in, we could kind of choose the topics together. That's the idea of it, to make it kind of a networking thing. And, um, you know, I guess we'll see where it goes. It's interesting. And I, I'm I'm curious because it's the new thing it's only available on apple it's in beta and according to joe it's going to be available to everyone in about a month right i'm to I, when i googled it yesterday it looked like yeah in about four weeks they'll be uh, up and running for android phones also um, so it's still new to us as well as i mean just in general but it's definitely gaining some steam um i'm interested to see where it goes yeah. and i wouldn't even call it a podcast like when we're on there it's not considered a podcast. We're having a group conversation. Any of the listeners, as long as you uh, join the app. The other thing about the app, you have to be invited. So if you're having trouble getting on the app, just contact me. You can always contact me at joeyspod at gmail.com. And, yeah, and uh, whole, I could send you an invite. Then you'll be the on the app. The whole buzz or like the questions that we're kind of having as people that are doing podcasts is, is, 
Clubhouse going to replace podcasting? And as we're looking into it, it doesn't seem like it's going to, but it seems like a good platform to get either a traction for a podcast or to learn, essentially. Yeah. You know, it's been a lot of a lot of cool teachers. You get free classrooms on things. So ho hopefully that's what we could essentially turn into. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's like social media, but you're audio and you're actually speaking to each other. So it's really fun to like just grab it. Maybe you grab a drink, you sit down and you, tur you turn it on and we just start having a conversation. You hit a button, you can raise your hand, we can put you into the main room. It's pretty cool. And like I said, it won't be recorded. It will not be podcast. It's just live. It's kind of like radio. You know, it's live. We're having a conversation with everybody. There's a couple of mon moderators in the, in, in the room, and it's very topic-driven conversation. So check that out on Thursdays. Uh, did You know, I'm, I'm guessing we'd go 8 or 9 o'clock, right, Chris? Um, yeah. What time you want to make that? Um, this... I guess this Thursday, whatever time, the next Thursday, it already doesn't work because it's the NFL draft. And I was telling you, I got that live event that I have to do. Mm -hmm. Well, I can go on there. So we you. might have to. Yeah, that's true. So I'll have to, I'll have to take, sit that one out. But I guess Thursday, nine o'clock works. And I think that that worked yesterday for us, right? Nine o'clock. Uh, yeah, we can do Thursday. I mean, whether it worked or not remains to be seen. I don't know. It was. It was fun. I had a, I had a good time doing it. So yeah, well, we'll have we'll, we'll, and we'll have more and more people. The more uh, the more we do it, and then the more uh, you get people to join in, um, and the and the people with big followings join in. It kind of ups your following. It's pretty cool. So yeah. uh, you, what did you want to say? You did something crazy today. And before yeah, man, we get to I, our I, guest, I Rebecca, it was crazy. It wasn't crazy. It just turned into something that it was one of those situations where my buddy. All right, I'll 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 even go back, preface this by saying... I almost need you to eat the mic now because uh, the volumes are a little right, low right, for today's better? episode. There you go, yeah. All right, so I'll preface it by saying it's it's 420, right? So this is like the big oh, that's weed right. day. Today is 420. Everyone wants to smoke weed. and Yeah, what did know? I hear on the news say? They were giving free joints for people that were getting vaccinated. Like, what? They're I have no idea. That's, I mean... heard that in New York. <laughs> doesn't surprise me, but... They even use the word so anyway, joints. I'm like... Like you wouldn't think you'd hear that on the news. They're like they're giving out joints. I'm like, isn't that joints? A, Channel Seven News, right? Isn't that a slang what? term that you wouldn't hear? A, a, what would you a, say? Pot? They're giving away pot. We're, they're giving, I mean, I don't know. Marijuana. I guess you. I guess you would call marijuana it marijuana like, cigarettes. I guess there's really no other way to say I it. I guess joints. Is We've the reached way to a new time, it. Joe. Yeah. So, I have a buddy who is like a huge weed guy. He's a, he's the guy that has like. 10 different types of weed you go to his house he's like which one do you want to smoke i'm like i don't fucking know dude pack a bowl we're good so he he wants to come by the studio he's like i'm gonna come by and check it out and before he gets here he calls me he's like yo do you want to go to the park maybe you know it's nice out so i'm like all right i know he's gonna bring something to smoke right so i'm like i'm already really not really feeling it because i know i have to record and i'm not trying to do it stone so i'm like okay joe i'll go you know not you, Joe, my buddy, Joe. So I get in the car. He's like, yeah, we're going to go to Cheesequake. I'm like, Cheesequake? That's like a fucking mountain, right? We get there. He's like, um, so do you want to walk on the pavement or the dirt? And I'm like, what do you got me doing right now, dude? I'm about to fucking record a podcast. He's like, no, it's only going to be five minutes. Ten minutes later, I'm on the top of like a fucking high, steep pitch. And I'm like, dude, what do you got me doing? I'm drenched in sweat. I get back to the studio. I have to record. That's why I was like, Joe, I need 20 minutes. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little bit. So I get back. It's like 80 degrees in here. I'm sweating. So my day was all fucked up, man. Oh, so you I'm, don't have a shower at the I'm, studio, right? I don't have a shower at the studio. And now I don't, you know, I'm, I'm ripped. So I'm recording right now. And I'm like, the fuck? Oh, you're high right now. I'm high right uh, now. I you asked tell. me last week, are you like, nobody could really tell. Cause I'm usually like, kind of a calm guy anyway mm -hmm. but yeah i'm like whew. So joe you, gets the uh brings the good stuff so what did he give you no we just smoked i only took two hits dude and it's like he just i don't know he he rolled a joint and i'm not the thing is it's like it, i got fucked up because i'm trying to navigate this mountain i'm literally walking through the woods now at this point i'm like Dude, I expected to go smoke a joint in the parking lot, take a hit and like go back inside mm -hmm. maybe to like appease you. You know, I didn't expect to be on a uh, on a on a, a journey. A, 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 yeah. 
He's like, bro, but if we just keep on walking, there's like a nice view. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about a view, dude. I'm going to go back to the studio and wash my nuts. Oh, well, I mean, I'm similar. I built a deck all day today in the in the hot sun. It was pretty hot out there. I noticed. Today. I saw it. I saw it on the Instagram. Um, oh. Proud of your work, though. That's a good thing. You know, it's a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, dude, it was fuck. It was brute. T- today was the first day since I started doing this uh, construction job where I felt like I sucked. He yeah. left. He actually left. He had to go get his uh, vaccination. And he just stood there. And no, he goes. He goes. Nothing. I'm going to cut some boards. I need you to install them while I'm gone. And he realized like he's not good at planning. Like I'm not good at planning either. So we're a funny combination. He's like fuck. And he just started like sawing some boards. So he had them. And you know anyone if you've ever done a deck and you're just sawing deck boards like you got there's like a whole method to the madness. You're like all right, I'm gonna make a cut. Here, you know, you don't want to have all the cuts in the same spot when you're laying flooring down. And I mean, this is boring to hear about, but shit was so hot out there. And this is this crazy That's rare. That's what it is, too. It's Bra- hot. Yeah, it was all Bra- the and it was this Brazilian wood that I think the heat made it swell up. And then it's this tongue and groove type wood where you got to put these little uh, plastic things in there in the uh, in the seams so you can slide the pieces so they together. Fit. Yeah. yeah, and those rubber things were like, they were half melting as we were putting them in there. I'm like, holy Imagine shit. doing that shit in August. Yeah, and he's like, ah. I said to him, I was trying to hint around that uh, I don't want to be doing decks in July and August. <laughs> like, dude, I'm just letting you know right now. Like, there's no... And like, he's I'll like, do ah. a bathroom in one of these mansions. I hate people that say this. He goes, you just, you just hydrate, man. You hydrate. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm nice. Like I'm not. Going, I'm not coming to work. Like if you're doing a deck, that <laughs> like I'm day, not going to do a deck in July. It's 90. I'm going to stay home and not get paid that day. That's how it's going to work. But uh, super cool guy. And 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 if you want to go check it out, <laughs> this Brazilian. It's called Ipe. Have you ever heard of this shit? No. So expensive. Never buy it. I don't recommend it. Like I was, that's that's what it said when I posted it on Instagram. Don't don't get it. Get that get that composite plastic shit because that shit'll last forever. This, no way. All right, I'm boring everybody. I can feel myself. I can feel myself getting boring. Um, yeah. So uh, Did you wear. You should have put on a man pond in the heat today. Would have it would have <laughs> it would have helped you out. Yeah. What were you I'm ex- telling? You. What is the man pond again? Um, oh man, this is a whole nother podcast. But a man pond is essentially you told something this on that, the podcast before. No, this is not on the podcast. Me and you had this this actual conversation. We did. Um, when I was telling you like about something that might be funny <laughs> material. <laughs> right. So a man pond is essentially something that you use to keep your swamp ass from accumulating over the course of a hot day. <laughs> Which we'll get into. Maybe maybe you could listen on Clubhouse on Thursday, and we'll tell you what, the exact uh, specs of a man pond. Right. And we're you're gonna lose. That was too loud. Uh, all right, the ma- you, you, can't you just maybe make- I should start smoking before the can't show. You just make one of your own man ponds out of some toilet yeah, paper. Just roll it up. The, yeah, I mean toilet paper. It, Toilet paper, your ass will probably destroy a toilet paper man pond. Wasn't wasn't there a Howard Stern uh, whack packer? His name was Ass Napkin Ed or something like that. And that's what he always had in. He always had an ass napkin. <laughs> ass napkin something. His name was. Anyway, I think that's a great lead in to go to uh, our interview today with uh, the great the actress ass napkin Re- Ed. Yeah, Re- Rebecca Cush and. Uh, and her bar in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, that sur- survived Corona and is uh, flourishing, and she's got a lot to say about you know being a, an entrepreneur and being in the bar business. Her bar is called. Let's see if I can remember this. You should remember it because it's a reference to Friday the Thirteenth. Crystal Crystal Lake. Lake. It's it's Crystal Lake. It's right on the uh, one of the main drags there in Williamsburg. I've been to it a couple times. It's got a big room in the back where I did a comedy show there once. It's a cool spot. Uh, go check it out if you're ever in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. We'll be right back with Rebecca Cush. Okay, should there be some sort of music when we come back? No, maybe not. Hey guys, this is Sturge from Chop Sports, and I want to talk to you about a new hobby of mine, and that's real estate. Ever since we brought on our resident realtor here at Chop Sports, that's all I can think about. So we got another one. You know who's really good at this stuff? Jay Devlin of CRG Homes. 
Jay is out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and business is booming. Whether you're looking to relocate, buy, rent, or literally purchase property and watch your stacks get higher, Jay is the guy to do this for you. He's already in the process of helping me out right now on a possible summer home. Call Jay right now, 843-315-5913, and have yourself a chat and learn about all the perks and tell him Chop Sports sent you. Welcome, Rebecca Cush. How are Hi, you? Hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> is is that a fake background, or do you really have the, like the greatest New York City? Uh, no, this is my living room, and that's L.A. Oh, my it is. Life I was going to say that's definitely not New LA. York City, Joe. Is that a green? Yeah. Is that a green screen? No, it's like those um, canvas panels that you put a, a picture on. We um, have a very high ceilinged white living room, and so I needed something to oh, cover some space. Now, now I can tell it's one of those. It's if you put them it's together, like the, it would make yeah. one nighttime picture. LA skyline. Ah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's fancy. Yeah. Well, well welcome to the podcast. Um, so, pretender to contender, I think. I think it it speaks for itself. You, you know what that means, right? Mm-hmm. And and we would we've already said a few things about you before we're coming to the interview. You just didn't hear it, you know. Um, some oh people, God, I hope they were good. Well, some people know you as the actress that played my wife in the Fixing Joe web series, mm-hmm. and then we did another short film that sucked called Drink the Wine, <laughs> that was a complete piece of shit. And, Nothing sucks. It's learning experiences. And, and Cr- Chris actually, for the first time, just watched all the episodes of Fixing Joe. So he's oh, like... Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, and I noticed you didn't tell me to watch the other one. Now I know why, because you said it sucked. <laughs> that There was a short film that we did where she plays my wife again, and it, it, it kind of sucked. It's not horrendous, but it's no. nowhere near Fixing Joe. It's not as good as the other episodes. The other episodes are just quick and so funny. Yeah. Well, that's because Andres was behind him, and he was like, yeah. he's like a genius. So like, And now I'm spoiled, and he's too high-end, and he won't do anything. <laughs> so now I have to raise $100,000, is what he told me. If I want to do a 10-episode web series... Okay. I might be yeah. I need uh, I need minimum ten grand an ep, and he'll do it. Okay, we can. I believe in us. I think we can do it. Let's do it. Well, there's somebody out there that wants to give us money. Well, we're actually writing something with one of the writers we met through the Pretender to Contender podcast. It's a kind of a drama web series about stand up comedians and and uh, mental illness a little bit, and uh, it's kind of deep and serious, but at the same time about the world of stand up. Um, but Rebecca, so, and the, I hate to say this cause you're a great actress, <laughs> but the main reason I thought you were a great fit for pretender to contender is something that you've achieved. Uh, I don't know how long you've owned your, uh, your bar slash restaurant in Brooklyn. Is it a restaurant yeah. also, or would you call it just a bar? Well, you know, here's the thing. You can't really get a liquor license without providing some sort of food. So there's always got to be some element of food or snacks attached as far as the New York authority with your business. Now, what we did was we found a space that was a restaurant that would like, would make the most amazing bar with a private room in the back. So like there's a full kitchen downstairs. I actually also live above my bar, which is a blessing and a curse. I was also going to, you didn't used to though. Did no, you I just move there? Astoria, and I loved Astoria. And I mean, I still would be saving so much money living over there street in Williamsburg. This apartment was open and my business partner had moved in on the second floor already. And that was working out great because we weren't getting complaints from anyone else about being loud or people outside or anything. And then the third floor apartment was available and I looked at it and it had just been renovated and we were like, well, that would be easy. We don't have to commute back and forth at weird hours of the night or morning or whatever. But you know, it is like, it's great. Okay. You can run downstairs very easily, but then you've got people buzzing you all day long with deliveries a friend's just randomly stopping by, not saying that they're stopping by. I've got a face mask on and my jammies and they're like, come down. And it's like, well, now I look like an ass if I don't come down <laughs> right upstairs. Yeah, it, so, sound, it sounds you know, similar like, to being a comedian and trying to do your podcasts like I do and my career out of my house. And you, yeah. you do need that space. Like I used to love when I would go to Starbucks and do my work, which I think I'm starting to see people do again. Post-corona. Yeah, a little bit more. 
Listen, I, I have noticed people are a lot more comfortable coming inside. When we first reopened uh, the inside portion, because the outside has always been open with takeout. But at first, people didn't want to come inside. They would keep, you know, if the, if the outside patio was filled, they would keep walking. Now, people come in, adhere to the rules as much as, you know, as much as we can get them to. And it's, it's a different ballgame now. So I'm I'm gonna make you go back here a little bit because yeah. the show is uh, called "From Pretender to Contender" or not. The from is gone. We removed the from two episodes <laughs> ago. It's just Pretender to Contender now. Yeah. Now, because I I know this, but our listeners don't know it. You worked in in you know I'm sure this is common with bar owners. You worked in the bar and restaurant business. What your whole give us a background um, on that? Yeah. So I've been working in the, this industry longer than I would care to admit because I don't give my age. But um, when did you? I've st- always. What age were you when you started it? In restaurants, I worked in some three star restaurants here in New York City when I first moved here. That was how I was making my living. I moved here to act, but that was, you know, how I supported myself. Then when I realized that the money was not in being a waiter, it was in bartending, and I could bartend three nights a week versus working five to six days, have time for more classes, have more money in my pockets, I started bartending. And so I um, used to bartend at the Black Door uh, in Chelsea and Park Bar uh, near Union Square. And then I left there, worked at a club, and I met my business partner, Tiffany, what was uh, your what was your what was your best night as a bartender in Manhattan? What's your best oh, best night of all time? I won't say where this is, but like seriously, this one with your <laughs> clothes this, on. This one, but yeah, with my this one. Thankfully, I never worked in a place where I had to really like you know show anything. <laughs> I was always you know fully covered. Um, yeah, I mean there were there were times where this one girl would always ask me to cover, and her shift was so lucrative that I would walk away with eight hundred, nine hundred dollars. Whoa, that's a cat, you know, cash. So I mean, what, how can you? What bar? It's was hard that? to get away from that. What bar was yeah. that? Well, I shouldn't. You're not say. allowed to say. What, what, I don't know. What part? Don't... In, what part of the New York was it in? That was in Union Square. Union Square. And what made yeah. you make so much? There were just so many people there? or what? So many regulars. They would, you know, buy just a high beer, rollers. 20. Yeah, they just, it's just how it was. It, and it was a lot of turnover. It was a small place. And so it was people in and out. And I mean, inc- incredible, right? I think about that now. I mean, the game, the whole industry has changed now. You have to have way more staff on. You've got to table serve everyone. So you've got to be running from the back of your place to the front to the out. You've got an outdoor you know, take out window. I'm not really sure when it's going to ever go back to the way it was. I I'm seeing a lot of bartenders leaving the industry. Really? Honestly, it's like I people are if... leaving and people keep asking me how they get in. And it's so funny because everybody's just trying to make that life switch in whatever way it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, now is not the time to learn how to do this. But... It's, pro- it's like comedians and actors. There'll be people that leave, but then no one's come in. So yeah. it, e- it evens out. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, so that's the thing. So I, I was uh, making good money as a bartender, but just getting to a point where I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to control my own schedule, control my own, you know, I, I wasn't really happy, like, <laughs> bouncing around from bar to bar, uh, working a couple shifts here and a couple shifts there. So yeah, I, I saved a long time. And then my, um, my business partner, Michael, and I knew each other from years and years ago. And then I met Tiffany at this club that we worked at together and then we all kind of were in the same place and just pooled our resources and opened this bar years too. It was not easy so, here in New York. So, we so, had a lot of So start us from the beginning of the idea of should we become a bar owner? Like what's the first thing what's the first thing you gotta do? Well you have to kind of have a concept, number one. And you have to decide if you're going to entertain investors or not. We had a, a very casual neighborhood kind of concept. Uh, the first intonation of it did involve food because it we were looking to do something in the Lower East Side. So that one was going to be way more of a restaurant. And we had a chef attached and he was going to put money in and uh, the space was just grander, way more expensive. And to be honest, thank God that didn't work out because after all that's happening now, I don't know how we would have survived and you know i mean none of us were really interested in opening up a restaurant we wanted to open a bar and that how long ago did you open it way more of a restaurant so um that was in when we were looking at that space that was like 2016 2000 uh, about 
Um, and your bar's bar called Crystal. Your bar's called Crystal Lake, right? Yeah, it's and it's a reference old, to a movie, but that I didn't uh, even get when you first told me. You didn't? No, because I don't watch horror movies, and it was a horror movie reference. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I, re I realized. Yeah. Did you know that Jimmy Palumbo's first uh, guest, not first guest, but guest last week, Mark Wahlberg's wife, was the first woman killed in Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> A little trivia. No Mark really? Wahlberg, the the host of Temptation Island, he was on Antique Road Shows, not Marky Mark. Well, that yeah, one, yeah, the yeah. other Mark Wahlberg, his wife. <laughs> that's so, so funny. interesting trivia. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like we weren't. It wasn't like we were always looking to open Crystal Lake, but we we moved on from that first location in the Lower East Side because we couldn't get through the community board process. You find a space. You have uh, you have yeah. an idea. Tell you us about to, that. What the heck? You have that to mean? go out and get community signatures within the area, and you have to get like a hundred or two hundred signatures of people in the area that support you mm -hmm. to even get into the community board and present your signatures, right? And the more you get, the better it is. But in the Lower East Side, it's almost impossible. Is that, you have is, that is that just a New York City thing? That can't exist everywhere. You want to open a bar? Well, here's the thing: you get the signatures. You go to the community board, they approve you or they deny you. And if they approve you, it's easier to get your liquor license with the SLA. It's not saying that if you aren't approved at the community board level that you can't apply for your license with the SLA, but it's harder, it takes longer, it's more expensive, and you have to prove that you have an idea. And I mean, we were doing it on a shoestring because we didn't want other main investors. We wanted to own more of it, you know? So, um, yeah, they, they basically denied us flat out. I mean, people liked our idea. Neighbors came. They said, we don't want this. We don't want another bar in the Lower East Side. I wake up to vomit on my stoop. That's what this is going to be. And, and it basically was like, um, okay, you know, we got, we got denied that night. And at the end of the meeting, a lot of people came up and said, we're so sorry. You seem like really nice kids, but we just can't have another party venue, you know, in our neighborhood. And one woman at the board actually also said to us, it shouldn't be a bar. It should be a retail space. And I'm sorry, if the person oh, who owns okay. the building <laughs> wants to rent it to us as a, a restaurant and we want to rent it as a restaurant, who are you to say what it's going to be used for? That's crazy. That's... But it was basically the indication like you're never going to get a, a place open here. It's got to change completely. And now it's a bakery. <laughs> <laughs> Do they know they put rum in their cakes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do their cannolis taste like? I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. Yeah. So then we had two other spots. And then this one, we were ready to give up. It was like two years of trying. Two other spots fell through for various reasons. And then this one downstairs had been rented. That deal fell through. And the owners were kind of like, we got to get rid of this place now. Now what do we do? We've cleared out our inventory. We've closed our business and let's make a deal. And we just happened to kind of come in in a, in a moment where it was like, this is almost too easy. This place is too perfect. It's got too many of the things we need. It's a better deal than any of the other ones. What's the catch? And it really was just the right place at the right time kind of thing. So we really lucked out there. So, you know, we have a great place that we can do big parties in the back when we can do that again. We have a full kitchen to do like Restaurant pop-ups and buyouts and things like that. We've done some weddings. Wow. I mean, I know I'm curious right now, and I don't know how, how much this number would fluctuate, but because I'm sure it depends on the space and the location, but like in a New York City uh, bar uh, landscape, what, what are you usually looking at to start up a bar? You know, what, what kind of money does it cost to get one going in, um, in, Bro I, in Brooklyn? Is yeah. Brooklyn cheaper than New York City? Is New York City cheaper than Brooklyn? Like, mm. what's more? I mean, more? it's no. could, can be slightly depending on when, but it's pretty much the same, especially in Williamsburg. It's, you know. Yeah. Like I mean, you're, the city you're is oh, more expensive, but it's right. close. Right. Yeah. It's like the sh the harder it is to make your business work, the cheaper it's going to be. Like if you want to go in the middle of nowhere or Brooklyn where there's no other bars, it's way cheaper, obviously. Yeah, I we um, so I would say with the in buying inventory, getting in the space first and last, you know, um, all of the licenses, that license. you need, the lawyers fees, 
I don't really see how anyone could do it under $250,000. And that's the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Right. And if did, you can do you, it. Under did you do it? That, did you, you got, do it like Italians? Did you go on the streets for it? No, I, I just have Shylocks. <laughs> I saw the Pope of Greenwich village. That's all know. I know about the bar business. Yeah. Shylocks. <laughs> have you ever heard that expression, Chris Shylocks? Yeah, of course I did. Come on. Yeah. I have, but in reference to like, uh, like taming of the shrew right which is lawyers it's a, it's a loan shark loan shark yeah like in no, the I didn't loan shark did it. you see the pope uh, any every restaurant owner should see the pope of greenwich village with mickey rourke and <laughs> eric roberts it's just, yeah i mean restaurants a whole other that's a whole other bag of worms yeah you know? I, I didn't inventory and then and then you got You've got that kind of staff that's just sitting in the kitchen. If you're not busy, you know, the money's just coming out per hour as you watch them stand there when you first yeah. open, you know? Well, are, are there insecurities? Like, because pretender to contender, it goes for any career. I mean, you're going to something. Hopefully it was something. Was this kind of a dream of yours to sometimes to some time open your own bar or restaurant? I mean, it was like the next intonation of what was going to happen i was just overworking for other people i was uh, you know and the the other bartenders i was working with were getting younger and younger to the point where there was a couple of times at this club where i was like i could have birthed this person yeah i'm not into be her being my my equal and asking me how to make drinks and how to do that no like we, I, we gotta move on so that i can you know have run my own schedule and all that jazz but don't they always say that owning a bar or owning yeah, a you're restaurant just more bogged is, down is even more i mean it's, work. it's constant anxiety i was just before we started i was getting my phone was buzzing because people are asking me questions downstairs about this group that we have in there and it's just like oh god <laughs> just there's no there's no rest because it's all hours i mean now at least it's not like two in the morning so texts or, or there's an issue downstairs that someone needs help with after you know two o'clock so how long did it take you from opening the restaurant to now which you said it's like four years well, so we've now. been open three years well how two long years did, how long did it take you to go from a pretender to a contender i mean if you can remember when you first opened it you must have been standing there like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i've never owned a restaurant well, no, but you know, I've w worked in them forever and I have quite a few friends who own bars and own multiple bars. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like, I, s I always would listen and help and help manage. And so I kind of knew how things worked as far as, you know, ordering and balancing numbers and stuff like that. So it, the, the weirdest part of it has been like the insurance side of it, which is horrible to figure out. Because you have to have enough coverage that if you have a fire, or there's an issue, or someone gets drunk and hurts someone, everybody's covered. But it's all based on occupancy and numbers, and you don't know how busy you're going to be. So you're either overpaying, waiting for a. I mean, that is the most complicated part about it. Stuff like that, and then. Um, how do you figure you know, it out? Keeping on top of QuickBooks and stuff, you just have to get an insurance agent that's like walks you through it and helps you when you have questions and is not snitty about helping. And, and <laughs> helping about, you understand it. How, how about this? Because I've had friends that almost open places. Like, how did you decide that? I'm sure there was a moment because every episode with Pretender to Contender has something about how you just got to go for it at some point. You can't. Yeah. Like, like, how did you know that, like, this bar, this street, this part of Brooklyn is, is about to be booming? This is a good spot for it. Like, how did you know what? That. Well, I had worked in the neighborhood. I had worked at my friend's bar over on Bedford for a number of years, and I knew everybody coming in lived in and around Williamsburg and some near this section of Grand Street, which is a main thoroughfare uh, that's very busy. A lot of cars drive up Grand and then get right on the bridge and go into Manhattan. So there's a lot of tra – it was like all the things. It was like on a main thoroughfare, a lot of traffic. Uh, right in between Parking, the L train hard. stations, we knew there was. Yeah, I mean, like there's a there's a moment where you're thinking about opening a place, and the one before this was on a side street, like over near the Richardson, like uh, kind of on a really like sleepy block, and we kind of stood outside and like counted people walking by just to see if there was any action in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. This one we didn't even have to question. It's it's basically like if we were on Bedford, like we're on Grand Street. Those are the two main 
busiest streets over here. So we knew people were going to be walking by. We're also near two bars that a lot of people go to. So we knew there was already like a bar presence in the Seen, neighborhood. Yeah. Like people come over here to go to and maybe they there was a lot of competition over here. That's the other thing though, you know. You've got a lot of bars in a small stretch, so you're kind of fighting for the same people, but you know the business is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then how much money do you have to decide that's worth investing into the space to make it look the way you want it to look? Because I, I I know I've been to your apartments and, <laughs> and she Rebecca even let me and my, my wife and I stay at a house she used to own in yeah. uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, you got to stay Newport. at the Vermont one now. The uh, Vermont one is awesome. Don't tease me. I love I love <laughs> I love that place because it had a deck on the roof. That's like one of oh, my dreams. Yeah, that, I mean that roof was a beautiful deck. little house. Yeah, I, I, that house just sold this year, so that was sad. But, but yeah, you know. So I'm yeah. trying to think what my question was just about to be. Chris, do you have oh. any, what was I going towards? Where were you going? I don't know. You're gonna have to edit this too. How do you know? No, we're not. No, we're not editing. editing. We're not editing this. I was just going to say... Um, you were talking about the space, like how much you put into the oh, space. Oh, how much money? Oh. Yeah, did you look? Because you're you're really good at decorating. You have like a skill <laughs> for that. I've been to your houses and, and, and a few of your apartments, and they're always like... You know those people when you walk in their apartment, you're like, oh, man, my house sucks. Like, <laughs> Rebecca's like the guy you work for during the week. Yeah. I've been to your house. Your but house you're, you're somebody I would hire to just decorate it. Like, you're good at that. So was there stuff you had to do to your bar so it would be up to par for you to love it? Honestly, the people that own the bar downstairs uh, were really handy and did a lot of work themselves and brought in this beautiful old antique bar. I remember that. And tile, vintage tiled the floor. Um, the only thing that we had to do was aesthetic. We were very, so That's another reason we were so lucky. We were just like, what's the catch? Like at every turn, there wasn't anything major that we needed to spend money on, which is why we were able to kind of do this ourselves without an investor. So no investor. So how, how long no. of a lease? How does it work? I don't even know yeah, so like, how you, bars so, work. So with them, we were taking over their lease, but it was like nine years and a couple of months. They had a, like a 15 year lease so, or some kind of an extension. And they they kind of folded after like three to five years. So the work that they did still looked really great. They just didn't want to run a restaurant anymore because uh, they, you know, they owned a, a bar down the street. And I think that they were just overwhelmed by the scope of actually every day in and out running restaurants. So that's so how it you, works. You take over their lease so that you, when you take yeah, over unless the lease. offered a new one. But then, you know, that's the thing is because it was a purchase in that way. It was a, a little more affordable. Like we were continuing on with whatever, whatever price they set from when they So you didn't have started. to deal with any new rates. So, you didn't have to do with, deal with any new rates. Yeah. You just literally took over the same. And did you pay yeah. the, so the at, leasing company at the or did you pay the old? Years, yeah. At the end of nine years, we have the option to renegotiate a fair market value. What does that mean? Um, if he wants us to stay, he'll give us a deal. And if he doesn't, he could raise it to $20,000 a month. And then we'll have to close the bar. And just, you know, that's why, that's why places fold. It's always rent. Hmm. It depends if the if the person who owns the space is willing to help, wants you there. If you're a problem, you know, then you know it's not gonna work out. So if you go out of business, obviously, uh, you just have to try to sell it for what you paid for it, and then get somebody to take over your lease, and you won't lose any. Yeah, or hopefully you have a business that's successful enough that someone wants to buy it and the name, you know, not just the space. You could, and then then, you could make money on it. Yeah, then your sales are going kind of into the, the grand negotiation of, you know, how much that business is. Yeah, they're is taking worth. over something that's not ground level. They're, yeah, they're, like you could getting say. getting a well-oiled machine already. Yeah, yeah a, like, like here, if you continue the way we are, is a guaranteed, you know, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 of sales in a year, you know. And that's that's what you show them. And, and you all that show jazz. them right now. Yeah. Is is owning a bar? I would think it's similar to like. Maybe it's not similar to opening a comedy club where they hire comedians that sell tickets. Like, does that happen in the bar business where you got to hire you hire bartenders because a lot of people will go follow them and go to the bars? Where oh they yeah. Work? You always consider that when you're about to hire someone. Do they have a following? Are they going to bring people in? What day are we putting them on? Are we putting them on a Monday? Are they going to bring people in on that Monday, or, or is it going to be like a dead zone? Do, do bartenders get to demand a, a piece of the bar, or is that impossible? No, no. 
No. Oh my God! Don't start that. Could you imagine? <laughs> don't the start union. that rumor. Well, that's similar. This to is like Vegas. There's a union. Is oh, there? No. We it's already have people all the time coming at us for parties and saying, "Hey, so I'm bringing all these people. What are you going to give me from what they're selling? I'm selling tickets. It's like, no, we're a bar. We're trying to make money. You're not going to bring in booze. We're not going to give you a part of the bar. We'll give you a free room for bringing all those people in, and maybe you personally will get a tab. But come on, it's like, you know." That's something they like told a, me a, early a, on in my comedy career. They used to say, never try to get part of the bar. It doesn't work that way. You know what's weird? Yeah. The One of the biggest shows I did in the last five years was la, right before COVID, uh, the Valentine's Day, right before COVID, right? I did a 750-seat theater and sold it out. Wow. And, and they gave me a piece of the bar, which I had never had anybody ever do that. And I don't think That's I would. Awesome. I don't think I would do it again, though. I'd rather not have to think. Of, it, it just gave me all this shit. To it just think gave about. you an extra. Oh, that's level the only way. Of anxiety. Was what was just that for the bar? That's no, how they paid you. No, I got a percentage of the door sales. I knew because it was the town that I draw the best in. It was the oh, fi- yeah. that that Philly market. So I didn't even get a. I didn't even get a guarantee. Because I knew I could pack the place. There was no doubt yeah. in my mind. And then I said, we'll really pack the place if we spend some money on uh, radio spots on this local radio station that's huge there. That I used to do the morning show a lot. And I did the morning show and then I paid for commercials on the, in there. And then we sold it out. You know, I knew I sp- yeah. we spent $3,000 just in radio ads. And uh, yeah, so... Um, it's just, yeah, like I can imagine I would be the worst bar owner because that that <laughs> night where I was like trying to get people to drink more or like being conscious, are they drinking or not, was like, oh, I don't like this side of the business. Well, that's what's hard because, you know, we, we've done a fair amount of comedy shows, you know, and you've performed at our place in the back room. It's perfect for that because it's separate mm-hmm. from the front. But the problem is, is... Oh, I lost my train of thought now. Well, probably you're going to say that comedy comedy fans will spend nothing if you don't give them a minimum. The comedy fans are buying their tickets, and that's why all those comedy clubs have to institute that two-drink minimum. People hate it, but otherwise, how are they supposed to make any money from just having all these bodies? And, you know, you have all those bodies. It's like you've you've got to clean more. You've got, you know, we have the wait staff. You you know, if the expenses just go up, you've got to cover yourself in that way. Comedy clubs for people that are listening, or if you're watching on Patreon, only our listeners can watch on, or only our uh, people can view this podcast in high def right now. Don't we look great? <laughs> uh, Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender is all you have to do is subscribe for as little as $3 a month. You'll get both of my podcasts that I do every week in video format. But everybody that's listening, um, what was about to say about comedy clubs. Um, one of the reasons there's a two drink minimum. I don't know if you even realize this, Rebecca comedy clubs, notoriously, especially in New York city, give the tickets out for free Yeah, because they, because oh. they rip them because they charge $12 for a Coors light. Yeah. 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 So that's why there's a two drink minimum. Yeah, if you walk, they, walk down the city and with your yeah. girlfriend and you just get handed tickets. You're like, yeah. what's this? Oh, Go in that comedy room. Everybody. Yeah, my mother-in-law still thinks she won free tickets when they call her on the phone. (laughs) I'm like, they called everybody on the phone that filled out that they put their email on the list when they left the club the last time. That's they sit in Times Square and they hand out the free tickets. This is what changed in the comedy business. And I don't know if the bar business did also. But when I used to do a lot of touring across the country, they always they called it papering the room, free tickets. Usually it was like Tuesday, you'd go to a town, you'd be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You would do seven or eight shows as a comedian. They would paper it on all the weeknights, and then it, you know they would try to do no free tickets on the weekends, right? Yeah. And then they would do that two-drink minimum. And then what happened is the internet came about because I've been doing this since before social media and before the internet. The internet came about, then social media kicked in, and they realized, let's hire comedians that have a following, like you're hiring bartenders. So now we don't have to think about that side of the business. We're not going to hire Joe Matarises anymore that are funny guys, but they can't pack the place. 
So now they don't have to do those papering of the room anymore. They don't have to give free tickets out. Now they've got a two-drink minimum and people are paying for tickets. Why yeah. wouldn't they hire th- those guys with the huge social media followings? So um, does that happen in your side of the business where it's like, what can we do where we don't have to spend money on advertising? How do we get people to come to our bar where it doesn't cost well, us Well, we still don't really spend any money on advertising. I mean, we do all social media stuff. The only thing we do do is like boost on Facebook. Well, that's money. You know, boost posts. Yeah, so that's really the only thing Does that we it spend work? money on. We've never, we've never had like a PR team or anything like that. A lot what of times with bars, though, the um, it's the liquor distributors will do a lot of your your promotions for you. At least yeah. when I was working at the bar, like we would just get Miller Lite, would be like, okay, we're doing a draft party. What could you give us? And then it would just yeah. give you a bunch oh, yeah. of shit. Yeah, we've got all sorts of stuff downstairs in the basement. I mean, they've been very kind during this pandemic. Nobody really had money to spend. Like what we all in the bar industry needed was some financial support, you know, but what they were giving us was very helpful also. So like, like everybody's budgets were cut. People were laid off in that industry also. But like... For instance, Maker's Mark and Beam, they're, they've been like the greatest partners and they gave us all of these like picnic blankets that we could give people, you know, who wanted to sit outside to keep them warm so we didn't have to buy blankets. They gave us all these, you know, takeout cups and glass cups and things that we could kind of uh, spin on social media and, you know, make a little more money for takeout items and stuff like that. How about this? If, if somebody's listening right now or watching and they're, you know, they want to open a bar and they've had this these thoughts and they've been you know setting their money aside what would be your your tips like if you gave them five tips that would be like um to, i don't know if i'm gonna be very positive at the moment this is what, like this it can be negative what are your tips don't do it don't do this don't do it um don't do it uh don't do it is this a terrible time po- is this a pa- bad time post corona to yeah, open I a bar i mean there's so many places even in this neighborhood that closed down that didn't make it i mean it's How did kind you of make like it? if how did you make it through Corona without going because under? Because we basically got back to work immediately. A lot of places were shuttered. A lot of places got, you know, the PPP money and stuff like that. And, and we, we qualified for a very little bit of it because our payroll wasn't very high because we have been, we've been open for two years, finally at the point where we were about to start really like paying ourselves for work that we did and stuff like that. And that just got, that got squashed. So, you know, they take your average you know, your average payouts and they use that in their calculations. So it's like, if you don't have a full roster of payroll that you're paying, you didn't qualify for a lot of that stuff. So it was very minimal, very minimal. So that wasn't going to save us. So what we did is we, you know, we took a couple months off. We, what we closed March uh, 14th, uh, we all went our separate house. And then at about when May 1st started to roll around, we all got on the phone and we were like, we need to do something fast because what we're not going to, we're not going to make it. There's, there's no assistance. We've got, we got like a thousand dollar grant from the small business bureau. It's like, that doesn't even cover our rent for, you know, I mean, it's like, what is that going to do? So we uh, popped open our takeout window and we just really hustled. And, and as long as we could, you know, what we realized is we were one of the first ones on the street to open and there wasn't any other place for people to go to get takeout drinks. So we actually did quite well at our window each day. It was like an average night without a party was what we right. were selling with people just going to the market and grabbing a, you know, a margarita or whatever. So we just kept that up and then looked at it in the sense of anything that we can make right now, even if it's a $200 sales day, is $200 we're not borrowing and $200 we don't have to pay back to someone. So right. that's basically how we did. We just, you know, and we still have to figure out with our landlord. He's been so patient, you know, with us. But we, we really were giving him maybe 25% of what we should be because of our occupancy issues. And, you know, we just couldn't afford anymore. So we still have to have negotiations about back rent. We'll see. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we, got, we finally did get an idle loan, which was great, which we've been using However, now we have, you know, we have money to pay back now. It's 1% over 30 years, but we have all this money to pay back. So we weren't in debt. We were just about to start doing really well and our schedule cleared and now we're in debt. (laughs) Wow. So we got, we got four minutes before we got to take the rest of the show on to uh, the clubhouse. 
Clubhouse app. Is that what it's called? Oh, but wait, I didn't yeah. answer your Treehouse, question. So the, Clubhouse, you don't want to go on, that, Chris? The other things that if, if someone's serious about this, mm -hmm. you just save as much money as possible. The more you have, the more you don't have to borrow or the more you don't have to give someone else away in equity. Mm -hmm. um, you, ha you, you have to know that you're going to work your butt off. You're going to be there five, six days yeah. a week. You're going to be cleaning toilets. You got to have a work, work, strong work ethic. Be somebody that's always, yeah. had, you're just, you're used. Cause that's what, like I started doing any uh, business. Too. I started yeah. doing construction three days a week. You don't even know this, Rebecca, but for the last two months I've been doing construction three days a really? week. Really? And I noticed one thing about working really hard cause it's hard. You kind of get used to it once you're doing yeah. it. It's probably the same with yeah, being a bar owner. It's not as big owner. of a deal. You but, just get used yeah. to busting your ass. It just becomes yeah. part of your day. And then you're done at five o'clock and now you go relax and then you do it again the next and day. And then you got a lot of steps. It's like raising, I have two kids. So like raising <laughs> kids is a, is great practice for owning a bar because it's just fucking, it's a lot of holy shit. I got to do that again tomorrow as soon as I wake up. Yeah, you do. You're a dad now. So it's, it's super like that. anxiety that something's going to go wrong and it is hustle all the time and it still hasn't changed. And now just when we were thinking it, the break was coming, it's extra hustle now because it's like people have moved out of the neighborhood. Half our regulars are gone. Who, who, you know, like, let's make new friends. Let's, it's just a constant, constant effort. You gotta, gotta be ready for it. And okay. then, you know, you have to, the other thing is rent. You've got to have a reasonable rent. If you don't, that's the number one thing that, that sinks people. Yeah, I, I noticed that when I talked to uh, Joel Richardson, the Soul Joel guy who was on here a couple weeks ago. And he has this comedy club that was in. He li dude, you'd laugh at this rate, uh, Rebecca. I almost called you Rachel for some reason, <laughs> like you're on Friends. Uh, Rebecca, this guy had a club. He opened it inside an office building and was doing BYOB in, oh in, my God, in, really? in, in Pennsylvania. And he was doing well, and then Corona hit. And they couldn't be indoors, and the guy felt bad as landlord, and he said, "Do it. You can use the outdoor space here." And now he's crushing it, doing these what? outdoor com comedy. He he brought sand in. He made it like beach. They all have to bring their own chairs. He had heat lamps, and he had a dome going over top of it. So if it rained, he didn't have to stop the show. And I wonder he was, if he was getting the authorities huge, know about this. Huge name comedians. He had Andrew Dice That's Clay. Crazy. He's had a lot of big shows. So. Uh, him well, and I, him. him and I were talking about the business structure because I was talking to him. I go, could this work in another town? Which I realized fast that BYOB is not really legal anywhere in New York. You'll never yeah. be able to do it. <laughs> and the other thing that I talked to him, and that was like one of the first things he said, is you got to. I said, what what kind of rent can make you afford to do a BYOB because they're not buying alcohol and you're just your only money is the ticket price. He goes. I need a $2,000 rent. And I'm going, well, then it's got to be in the middle of nowhere. Where the fuck are you getting $2,000 rent? That's rare, right? You can't find that yeah. for a bar or yeah, a restaurant. I, mean, I don't know. I have a friend who's uh, opening uh, a bar up in Poughkeepsie and a bar up in Newburgh. Mm -hmm. And apparently they're giving spaces away there. It's like uh, 1000 yeah, 2000 yeah. Landlords are backed into a corner right now. Yeah. If they don't, If they don't rent the place out, they're just taking no money. Yeah, you know, exactly. So it's almost and like, would you say that's how we got the studio the cheap? City, those markets are blowing up. There's not a house on, you know, like the houses go in like a week there because everybody's just buying, scooping things up. So, well, it's 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 nine o'clock now. And we want to go over to the next portion of the podcast, even though Chris doesn't. Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do it and uh, let to round out your interview. Are you a contender now, or do you still feel like a pretender as a bar owner? Oh no, I'm like a seasoned contender. You're a contender. I'm uh, slightly broken down and but have had some successes. It'll I mean uh -huh. my problems are the problems of the world right now, so as soon as that's mm -hmm. right, I think everything will fall into place. But yeah. you don't want out. You like you're going to continue to open this place. I mean, there's no out. <laughs> Got a 9-year lease. Above water, but you know, we're in it. All right, guys. Well, 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 go go visit if you're ever in the Brooklyn Williamsburg area. If you ever visit New York, you got to go check out Williamsburg, Brooklyn, because it's just a really, really cool area where there's a lot of really cool bars and just it's just a cool. I just love going to Brooklyn. So cool now, and it's like I almost <laughs> like it better than New York City, and I love New York City, but Brooklyn yeah. is is the shit. And uh, and Rebecca's bar, of course, is called Crystal Lake from the movie that. Uh, 
Friday the 13th that I got to go rent. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Have Bag- you never seen it? Kevin Bacon's in it. I love Kevin Bacon. I know. Who doesn't? Kevin Bacon with the nose. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Rebecca. Did I plug everything? How do they follow you on social media or the bar's website? Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's uh, Crystal Lake BK on Instagram. So I think. I think. <laughs> and you know, how do they follow you on uh instagram or TikTok i am the or rebecca kush on instagram the rebecca kush everybody that's my acting portal we'll be uh we'll be right back with uh live on the on the clubhouse app just talking to people that are going to probably be really hard to handle we'll be right back <laughs> yeah. hey guys it's Sturge from the chop sports podcast and i'm here to talk to you about lvc transport I recently just had to help a family member move after living in the same house for over 20 years. You know what that means. That's a lot of stuff. So I called my buddy Chris over at LVC Transport. He hooked it up with a massive dumpster. Huge discount. Now, he's looking to help out every member of Chop Sports. Call him today. Drop the name Chop Sports, and he's going to take 10% off the top right away. Just say Chop Sports, and he's taking 10% off off the top get your free estimate today give them a call 908-705-3006 welcome back well not welcome back you were watching that was uh, rebecca kush uh thank you uh rebecca for doing the show that was uh, a great interview and fun for to have her on here and what were you and about to say can we shit. talk about the email that she, she sent us an email today right what was funny to yeah. you about that email to you that the the party that was in question um the the talent told the told her to suck his dick. Yeah, it got, isn't that it great got that you own? So she was you, talking. Yeah, is, I was say, isn't that great that you get to the level where like you own the bar and you still have to take shit because you're the own. Like, mm-hmm. at what level are you at where a patron tells you to suck his dick and you can just it have wasn't somebody even the drag it him was out. the talent. It was like the performer, I guess, the mu- music, yeah. the DJ, or whoever. But it wasn't at, even a patron. At what level of life? In life, in anywhere. Can you just kick out, like, kick out? Like, I would love to be able to just kick out somebody, even though, like, they were the talent in my establishment. I'd be like, I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm, you're fucking out of here. Like, you has know when ever, I... Has it ever happened to you? I was about to say, when I lived in San Diego for one year when my wife and I were dating, I had to take a big hit with my comedy like I thought I was going to be able to go in and out of Los Angeles that whole year that I was living there and it turns out the traffic was so bad to get from San Diego to LA that it would usually take three hours to drive about 55 miles so you never wanted to go it was brutal so uh we opened a comedy club together my wife and I and we we, uh, at this rock bar every Friday and Saturday we did uh, comedy and we would hire uh, LA comics to come down and do it we'd put them up in a hotel I was kind of cheap so you know what I would do I would get the hotel to give us a late checkout on Saturday so I had to pay for two nights and I would have the comedians come to our house and we would make them dinner I go you got to check out at five the show's not too late but come over and we'll make you <laughs> dinner you know and it was cool and they would so uh, I remember that I was such a this is premedicated me, right? I used to be in, it was so hard for me to do comedy cuz I'm just counting heads and worried about making money. I was saving yeah. money. I want I was about to propose to my wife, saving money for the ring, putting all this money aside so if I had a bad weekend when I was there with no people, I'd be in this bad mood and then I have to go up on stage. And I remember San Diego's the worst place for comedy. Like nobody wants to come inside. It, you know, if it drizzles, yeah, it's gorgeous every single day. Yeah. And if it drizzles, they lose their minds. They don't even go outside on a drizzle. So I remember this drunk lady coming in and going and she literally she didn't realize I'm I'm the comedian and the guy who's standing at the door taking the cover charge. And she's like, what's this comedy shit? That's what she said to me. And I go, um, you're not allowed to come into to the comedy now. She's like, what? I go, I can tell you're going to be a bad audience member and uh you're not allowed in sorry she's like what are you talking about what are you whose show is this i'm like it's mine and you're not coming in (laughs) and i didn't let her come in and that was one of those times where i was like i needed the money but i was like i don't care how bad i need the money this fucking lady is not coming in and that was a good feeling 
you ever had that moment did she where tell you like, to suck your did she tell you to suck her dick no but she probably like <laughs> the, i mean yeah i guess when you i don't know let's see i'm the opposite where like i'm like all right just come in i'll give you a chance i'm i'm a pushover with that so i don't know if i've had that moment but well i i did say to rebecca in the interview the key to being successful in that bar owning business is you gotta learn how to turn assholes back into nice people and that's why i realized that i could never own a comedy club and i could never be an owner because i don't have the gift of turning an asshole into a nice person when i meet an asshole I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> like I don't want to turn them. Yeah, into I'm a like nice just person. accepting. All right, well that guy's an asshole. I'm like, so all right, you're in, yeah, like navigate get out. that just properly. Get out with your bad attitude. So did did you have any sort of takeaway from the interview with her? Anything that she said that? I mean, yeah. When you when you know, I've I've bartended, I've managed restaurants, and I've done that whole thing as well. And it's funny because she was like, oh, I just want to be my own boss. I want to do this. She has, I could almost guarantee you that now she has less control over free time. And she made the, the reference to the point where she was just last week <laughs> cleaning puke with her hands. That's the type of shit you have to be willing to do to run your own business. You have to be willing to do almost anything. And I guarantee you when she was bartending, she even said it, she wasn't cleaning puke with her bare hands. So running a business and being a successful business person, you almost have to be willing to do the bottom level shit as as proven by what she said yesterday or today depending on yeah. i guess today because they're all listening right now <laughs> and you have to love it i mean i posted this guy who's a big motivation guy i posted his stuff on my instagram page on my story section yesterday and uh he, he just you know it's obvious that you have to love it because if you love it you will deal with you know yeah, picking up vomit and all that, that suck yeah you know? you'll, do it. you'll do the things that suck you <laughs> believe us like you and me we do a bunch of shit we are not we are not trying to do oh, to sit we, here and record for 15 minutes it's insane yeah we were saying just yesterday i mean little uh, honesty on a podcast here how much we you, we like podcasting but posting things on youtube and dude you got to post it on youtube then you got to post it where you put up your the audio of your website or your uh, podcast, and then all the and social start, media. And you start thinking about the time that you're taking away from the other creative aspect of things that you could be putting your, your time into, where it's like, you know, you could be writing a fucking screenplay or a, or a cartoon or whatever it is mm -hmm. the fuck that you want to do on the side while you're, you know, posting, uh, you're editing a YouTube video that might not get you the traction that our audio podcast is doing. So we have right. some things that and, we're, and, and we're I would analyzing think as we go. And I would think Rebecca's goal isn't to always be at this level of being a bar owner where you have to be there every night and bar like she bartends yeah. in her own bar. Yeah, and that's the idea as well. You know, in her case too, it was a unique situation because of the way the lease works out. So she almost has like a quick, you know, let me make a little bit of money. And if this doesn't work out in eight years, I could I could almost re you know, it's it's not a long term thing that she really is going to bury herself with. I think that she sounded pretty confident with the way it worked out, and that's a that's a good unique situation to be in as a bar owner because, you know, there's not essentially all her eggs in that basket because there is an out. Right, and she's pretty entrepreneurial. I mean, I know because I'm friends with her. I know she owns property outside of that property. You know, uh, you know she talked yeah. about her Vermont house, and uh, yeah, I, I was thinking, I was like, hmm. she's like, oh, that one just sold. We're sad. I was like, well, hmm. well, that one is is complicated because she was she is divorced, and that first house that I said in the interview, she let us stay at my wife and I for free one weekend up in uh newport rhode island which if anybody here ever gets a chance you want to you want a great place to like go with your girlfriend or something for the week newport rhode island is my is one of my number one picks in the whole i won't US. go there because it's all all red Sox fans I'm i can, that guy you can ignore that yeah i'll just go somewhere else that <laughs> i'll also enjoy and not go there nah that place is and good. live I'll they, live. Unbelievable bars and restaurants all over that town. Greatest food ever. I love a good food town. I hear but, that about so many places. All right. There's we'll great move. food everywhere. <laughs> we'll Not going to Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's the end of the takeaway on uh, episode 13. And uh, I thank you guys for, uh, for listening. And uh, let's, uh, let's call it an out. 
as it's not playing. As it's not playing. As it's not playing. Where the fuck is it? My God, I hate my life. No, it's this one. Yeah, so uh, this is the end. This is the end there, Chris. Uh, yeah, man. It was thanks, fun. thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for watching, you Patreon people out there. Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. We'll keep bringing you these episodes. And don't forget, Thursday night at 9, we did say 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Chris and I will be on clubhouse so go download that app on your iphone and you'll be able to uh, talk to us right in there we'll invite you in you can chat we'll have uh, all kind of different fun subjects going on it'll be a fun hang all right download the app and uh, may 7th don't forget may 7th i will be at soul joel's comedy uh, lounge comedy club whatever royersford pennsylvania doing my one-man show remember when okay and uh, chop sports network They're the best. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. (laughs) 